Hi, welcome to Trained. At Nike, we believe that greatness isn't born, it's trained. And that means more than just a workout. Each episode, we'll bring you conversations with leading experts in what we call the five facets of fitness. Training, recovery, nutrition, mindset, and sleep. I'm Ryan Flaherty, Senior Director of Performance at Nike. I train some of the world's best athletes, like Saquon Barkley, Russell Wilson, and Marcus Mariota. Today, we're focusing on how youth athletics are the foundation for lifelong skills, and how to create the optimal environment for kids to learn to love sport. You're listening to Trained, presented by Nike. What normally happens with stress really mirrors what we do with sport. You get revved up a little bit, but then you're in control of being able to bring your body back down to a baseline. And so if you get a lot of practice at that, that's actually a lot of practice at building normal rhythms of stress response, which will stick with you for a long time. That's Megan Bartlett, the founder of WeCoach, an organization that teaches coaches about youth development and how sports are uniquely suited to teach young athletes to cope with stress on and off the field. Only 24% of kids in the United States are active at a healthy level. Playing high-calorie burning sports like basketball, lacrosse, or participating in activities like dancing or climbing. That's a huge percentage of our population missing out on the benefits of sport. Megan has always had sport and development on her mind. She played soccer for Wesleyan University, where she earned a degree in psychology. She coached college soccer while studying to get a master's degree, and went on to work for organizations that brought soccer programs to under-resourced communities. That was when Megan realized coaches were in a unique position to help kids learn to not only love sport, but to learn to manage their stress better. She's currently working with Nike's ambassador program to train Nike volunteer coaches nationwide. Megan's insight and research into how we coach kids makes me think a lot about how much of growing up and training is first learning to unwire habits that are no longer working for us and then replacing them with new habits that will help us achieve our goals. Sports are uniquely suited to help teach us that mind-body connection. And this is why it's important that coaches are aware of the impact that they can have. Early experiences with sports are not only about the X's and O's, but handling the stress of a sudden offensive push or learning to be aggressive and cooperative at the same time. Competition is a kind of healthy stress that teaches us how to handle adversity at a young age. When we're faced with conflict later in life, we always revert back to what we know and what got us through it the first time. This is true of emotions and movement mechanics. I see this all the time with the athletes I train. A lot of the work we do in our off-season training sessions is relearning foundational skills so that when the physical and mental stress of a game day arrives, they know how to handle that stress in a way that protects their body. No matter what I'm training, the process is almost always the same. First, refine the skill through reps, then add weight, and then overload with weight. I do this because it's the best way to learn to play safely in a high-pressure moment, like in a game. It's the same principle that Megan advocates for when it comes to handling stress through sport. In the right environment, kids learn that losing a game or missing a pass is stressful, but something that they can bounce back from. And this is more than just another sports metaphor. Megan will tell us how this happens on a physiological level and break down some of the best exercises to do in order to calm down and activate a healthy stress response. She'll also give us some advice on how to create a great practice environment for kids, which you might even use in your own training. So now, let's get to the interview. All right, well, Megan, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking the time. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Just to start, can you give us a little background on how you got to where you are, especially in terms of your interest in studying kids and movement and sport? Yeah, for sure. I was an athlete growing up all the way through college, and I actually coached at the college level when I was in graduate school. And as I was transitioning out, I sort of thought that would be the end of my sport chapter. And I sort of tripped and fell into my work because a friend of a friend called up and said, I'm running a soccer camp. Can you come run some drills for me in the mornings? And I said, sure. One more chance to get back out on the field. And it was actually for an organization that runs soccer, creative writing, and service learning programs in urban underserved communities all over the country. And I immediately fell in love with the work and went to work then that fall for that organization, which is called America Scores. And then I went to work in the national office, and then I transitioned into a a bigger nonprofit that uh, was running an AmeriCorps program for coaching. And then about 18 months ago, I left and started an organization called We Coach. A lot of young people whose families are struggling, you know, at or around the poverty level are also facing some other overwhelming stress in their lives. And we're doing a lot of work in helping people understand what that kind of overwhelming stress does to a young person and how sport is uniquely suited to help a young person heal from some of that stress and manage some of that stress. Yeah. Can you go into that? Why is sport so important? I mean, what is sport unique in terms of how it can help someone, you know, throughout the course of their life? So sport is unique in in addressing the impact of stress in two ways. First is the idea of positive relationships. So the chance to have a positive relationship with a caring adult and or the chance to have positive peer relationships as a member of the team. Mm-hmm. Those relationships can really be protective and buffering from the impact of stress. And relationships happen outside of sport. It's not necessarily unique to sport. But what is unique to sport is the combination of relationships and the chance to be physically active. And what we know about the impact of physical activity on the brain is that it's helping regulate the parts of the brain that are triggered by stress. When young people experience overwhelming stress or when anybody experiences stress, parts of their brain are affected by that stress. And the part of your brain that's affected by that stress is the part of your brain that's in charge of your survival. And so if you experience a lot of stress, that's the part of the brain that gets to be the strongest because the brain is plastic and use dependent. The part of your brain you use the most is the part that becomes the strongest. Mm -hmm. And if you have to be in survival mode a lot, that's the part of your brain that becomes the strongest. Can you give me an example of that? Yeah, for sure. It looks like a young person who... Um, has a lot going on in their life. They come to basketball practice and they're under the boards trying to get a rebound and they get elbowed and it's in an uncomfortable way, but it's sort of in the normal run of basketball, right? And Mm -hmm. instead of sort of realizing they didn't get the rebound and running back on defense, their survival instinct kicks in and loses track of the fact that they're in a safe basketball environment and they exhibit this explosive behavior, which doesn't fit the environment. Right. And what coaches tend to do is then punish that young person for that behavior. And so what we hope coaches start to understand by understanding the brain 
is that that's a normal reaction to the fact that the young person has this stress or trauma in their lives. And what they need to do is build skills to manage that, not be punished for it. Mm -hmm. And coaches are great at building skills. So if they can identify that that's the thing they're really trying to teach a young person, then I have all the hope in the world that coaches can do that. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And I think, too, I mean, when you talk about stress and the stress response, especially when you're talking around longevity and aging, stress mm -hmm. management becomes one of the most important things you can do. Can you talk a little bit about the benefits of playing sport at a young age? Yeah. What I think is interesting from the brain perspective is that the reason that what you do as a child matters in terms of your brain is that your brain is going through critical growth periods during your childhood and adolescence. And that means that the things that you're that you're doing with your brain then are the most likely to stick. Yeah. So from a stress management perspective, if you get a lot of uh, physical activity and when you're a young person, that's building all the healthy rhythms of stress in your brain. And even if you also are experiencing overwhelming stress in other parts of your life, that can be serving as a buffer for that. Yeah. And so what normally happens with stress really mirrors what we do with sport. You get revved up a little bit, but then you're in control of being able to bring your body back down to a baseline. And so if you get a lot of practice at that, that's actually a lot of practice at building normal rhythms of stress response which will stick with you for a long time. Can you talk a little bit about, because I think there's this balance, right? I think there's balance of people who want to win, who yep. want to sometimes, you know, show people some tough love. But at the same time, there's some major core principles and concepts that I think they're all missing. Can you just kind of help me with the balance of those two things? And then also to what your directive would be to people listening if they are coaches or parents? Um, I think it's a really important question. I, I actually think that tough love is, is not a thing. Right. I, it's not an effective motivational strategy when we know what happens to the brain when a person is being screamed at. It is not developmental. If you're being screamed at, your brain goes into survival mode and when your Shame. brain goes into survival yeah. mode. You can't yeah. learn. And so all these people who say we're teaching them lessons, they were teaching them how to be the things they're going to need in the world. We're teaching them how to be men. You're not actually teaching them anything because they can't learn. The part mm. of the brain that needs to engage when you're learning is not the part of the brain that gets triggered by being screamed at. And so there's no value. There's no, from a, from a brain, strictly brain perspective, there's no value in triggering somebody's stress response in that way. Yeah, that's a great point. So what is it, what else do you feel like we could do to help maybe expand on the need to get more kids moving? That's a really good question. And I do think that when we see some of the behavior that we don't want to see in coaching, we have to figure out a way to either draw a distinction between that's something that's happening at the pro level and not what a great youth sports coach looks like. There's got to be some way to, to message yeah. that, to either provide other examples than just your, you know, the only ones we have are the ones who are, at, are coaching at these really elite levels. And that's just not the same thing as coaching your town soccer league, right? Yeah. How do we bring awareness to more yeah. more uh, youth sport models? Yes. Please figure <laughs> that out. 
Okay, good. Well, we'll start working on it. Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's the that's the crux of the issue, right? Is that people need who do I want to be? Right? You have to be able to see it to be it, and that happens with female coaches, right? We need more female coaches in order for girls to want to be involved, and we yep. need more great models of youth development coaches in order for more coaches to want to coach that way. Because there's nothing that says, and in fact, I think we know anecdotally, that there's just as likely a chance that a coach who happens to, you know, sort of unwittingly is a good youth development practitioner or or is actually intentionally a good youth development practitioner to get results, right? These are not mutually exclusive to create good performers and to create good humans. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, Megan will talk to us about how to set up an effective training session and explains why playing catch or kicking around a soccer ball is so calming. Stick around. We'll be right back. If you're a trainer, join a community of trainers looking to make fitness better for everyone. Learn from leading experts in performance, mindset, nutrition, recovery, and sleep. And get an exclusive 30% discount on Nike gear. Apply at nike.com slash ntcpro. I want to pivot a little bit and get into sure. a little bit more of the training and recovery side of things. So, mm-hmm. you know, something your work touches on is how a repetitive physical activity, whether mm-hmm. that's dribbling a basketball while listening to a song or jump rope, yep. can help people with making their mental recovery faster. Can sure. you just explain a little bit the science behind that to our listeners? So anybody who's an athlete or a coach knows this sort of intuitively, that uh, patterned, repetitive, rhythmic experiences are how we learn. So we do all of this work as athletes to almost not have to think about the things that we're doing, right? If you have great handle as a basketball player, you're not thinking about every dribble of the basketball. And so in addition to that being the way we learn, it's also the way that we sort of regulate our stress response. In addition to sort of priming the parts of our brain that learn, it also sort of soothes our brain and gets us back to that baseline. And so patterned repetitive rhythmic experiences help us learn and master something, and they also help soothe and calm our our stress response at the same time. And all of that is related to the first things that were printed on our brain. Our brain develops from the back to the front, and the first things that are printed on our brain are the things that we don't have to think about, right? The bottom of our brain is in charge of all the things that we don't consciously think about, you know, breathing, blinking, swallowing, things like that, that we do without thinking. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that sort of soothes us is the mother's heartbeat. We learn things and we're soothed by things that echo that. So the original sort of thumping of of the heartbeat help us feel safe and soothed and regulated. Kind of back on the on the what you were just talking about in terms of repetition and practice and in terms of soothing and stress management and all those things. If you're coaching Mm -hmm. soccer, if you're coaching basketball, how can you set up your practices to foster an environment of learning? So I'm a soccer player. So I'll give a soccer example. Um, When I was coaching at the college level, we had what we called vitamins. And vitamins were the things you did every day, even at the college level, that were sort of your basic fundamental skills. 
So you came into practice, you got a partner, and you did these vitamins. And they all had to do with your touch on the ball. So you used your foot to hit it back to your partner. You used your thigh to hit it, you know, to trap it and then hit it back to your volley, it back to your partner. Chest, volley, partner, all those things, those basic core um, movements, uh, skills that are part of playing the sport of soccer. They've been taught to young people all the way through, right? And so you... They're your vitamins. They're what you do every day. You take your vitamins every day. So those are the kinds of things that are always used in sport for skill building. Those things can also be incredibly soothing, right? Because they are these patterned, repetitive, rhythmic experiences. And those things can be things that also, bonus, have these skill building components. So they don't have to feel like punishment, right? right? It doesn't have to feel like you're... You're getting a little too heated, so you need to step out. You need to sit on the end of the bench quietly and and calm yourself down, right? We tell young people to calm down all the time, and never in the history of calming down has anyone ever calmed down by being told to calm down. I really like that. I'm going to use vitamins. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that in my training with my athletes. That's a really <laughs> good thing. I like that a lot. Um, and it makes total yeah. sense. It's just something you just don't think of it that way a lot of times. So that's really good. Right. One of the ways that I, when I'm talking to people who work with athletes, right, immediately they understand this, is that a lot of the things that we do for injury prevention or injury rehab are also incredibly valuable for, if we think about it this way, sort of psychological injury prevention or psychological injury rehab, right? They're patterned, repetitive, rhythmic things. Um, They're soothing things. They're jumping rope, they're riding the bike, they're rolling on a foam roller, yeah. right? No doubt. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that. I actually do this part of training athletes in the very beginning. And what we do is every time we start working together again, it's we we go over those proper movement patterns, work on some of the bad or pathomechanics they may have developed over mm-hmm. the course of a year or an injury or something. And then we start to load them with weight and then we overload them with weight. But it's like very basic movement patterns we start with, something you, you learned as a young kid. I mean, go look at any two-year-old kid who can squat. They have the perfect squat. So over time, <laughs> the reason that perfect squat becomes not perfect anymore, it's due to trauma, injury, you know, all these different types of things that can happen that, that take us away from that. But, but deep down, our bodies know how to do it. The exact same thing is true of the brain. Yeah. What you're trying to do is actually just unwire what's been wired the wrong way and get back to these fundamental things, the exact same process. And what you said about you build up on weight and then you overweight, right? The same thing is true with, with learning how to manage your stress response, right? You, you dial up the stress and then at some point you overstress, right? And the, the work is being able to come back from it. Yeah. With all the elite athletes I've been fortunate to work with one, you know, there's all these Mm -hmm. commonalities that they share. And one of them being this, so what now what mentality of, you know, mm-hmm. you face adversity. So what now? What are you going to do about it? And I think so much for kids, it's like living, continuing to stay present and not staying, you know, so stuck in the past. Well, and present and being present is such an important part when you're talking about young people who've been exposed to overwhelming stress or trauma. Yeah. Because what trauma does is keep you in that moment. Yep. Right. Doesn't actually allow you to be present. Yeah. And so the act of being present is incredibly healing. So when you're talking about it from a learning a skill perspective, it's so important for young people to learn that skill, and you get to practice it in sport, yeah. right? You get the chance to give it a try 
in a way that you may not otherwise have as many opportunities to do it. For sure. Yeah, you're you're never going to be more present than staring at a pitcher throwing the ball as fast as you can at your... Totally. If you're not focused on that moment, you're, yeah, you're not going to fare well, probably. Well, and you're, and you get your whole body involved, right? Like you're, you're engaged in by, in so many of your senses. Yeah. So sitting in a classroom, no matter how dynamic the teacher is, doesn't engage you in the same way. And that's connected to how physical activity helps us learn better, all of these things that, you know, we sort of learn in small bursts, actually, and 45-minute classes or whatever it is that we're offering are not the way to learn. Yeah. Can you talk about embodied recovery and how things like yoga could Mm -hmm. be helpful for people, especially young people? Yeah. So in the clinical world, when you're talking about sort of trauma, when you're talking about the sort of dysregulation of your stress response, um, either at a sort of overwhelming level or even just sort of in day-to-day dysregulation, the clinical world is moving towards, away from sort of only traditional talk therapy when it comes to trauma and really getting into these embodied interventions. And when I say embodied interventions, it's because they understand that the way trauma affects your brain impacts your body. It's not enough to just talk talk through your experience of those traumas. You actually have to have a way to re-regulate your stress response. Mm. And you can't talk your stress response into regulating. It actually has to be a biological intervention. And so yoga, for example, is one of these great ways to do that because it is the practice of regulating your body. The two work together in this way that if you're just talking, it's not necessarily, it's not giving you the practice of regulating your stress response. It's not giving you that biological payoff. I want to finish on a couple of different things real quick. So Megan, is there a way you can give people an example or an idea of where they can go if they're interested in learning more? I mean, I know you have We Coach that they can go to, but mm-hmm. are there tips in, in ways they can get involved in this if this is something that is calling to them and a passion mm-hmm. of theirs that they want to get involved more? Yeah, I think most of this comes from people taking action in their own local communities. Right. And so I think it's about having a conversation with your local soccer club. It's about having a conversation with whoever's providing the sport experiences and saying like, hey, have you thought about trying to get our coaches to, you know, have more professional development? Have you thought about how we get more parents involved? And I think that's the most important thing that people can do is just get active. There's a wonderful, wonderful 30-minute coaching course um, that was developed by Nike and the United States Olympic Committee called How to Coach Kids. And so no matter what sport you're coaching, no matter what age you're coaching, you can start with this 30 minutes and it'll give you a really, really good foundation for what you should be thinking about. Well, thank you, Megan, so much. I I know for me personally, this is a huge passion of mine. I know people are going to get so much out of this conversation, but I just want to thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. I learned so much from talking to Megan. She clarified so many things I've observed from players and their parents in my own career. But if there's one thing you should remember, it's this. When it comes to youth sports, what we learn lasts a lifetime. It's true we might not have the opportunity to scrimmage in soccer five nights a week as adults, but we will absolutely confront stressful situations similar to staring down another team's offense. And that learning experience is especially valuable for kids. 
Every sport is an opportunity for kids to learn to manage stress. You can help them by making sure your practice is set up well. Plan clear warm-ups and cool-downs. Emphasize repetitive skill-building drills, what Megan called vitamins, and design the season so that every player can see a clear improvement in their athleticism. If you have to make a correction, remember their brains are still developing and give them active things to do when they're not playing, rather than just sitting on a bench. And finally, make sure to point out their improvement. If you want more practical tips, check out our show notes for organizations that offer educational resources to coaches. Whatever your training practice is today, you're keeping up with it because at some point, someone showed you the impact that sport could have on your life. Whether that was a coach, a friend, or a parent, keep it up and be sure to pass it on. Trained is produced by Nike Training Club. If you're looking to take your training to the next level, check out the Nike Training Club app. In it, you'll find holistic guidance and free workouts designed by Nike experts. Or go even further and enjoy a seven-day free trial of our premium subscription service, NTC Premium, available now in the U.S. With NTC Premium, you can get guidance from start to finish with programs and workouts designed by Nike Master Trainers. You also get in-depth nutrition and wellness content. Go check it out. That's Nike Training Club app, available on both Android and iOS. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with Saquon Barkley, New York Giants running back and NFL Rookie of the Year, and one of my favorite athletes to work with. This is Trained. Talk to you soon. Consult your doctor before engaging in an exercise program of any kind, especially if you have a medical condition. Use good judgment and common sense about your own fitness level and ability when engaging in a training program. If something doesn't feel right, stop immediately and seek medical attention as necessary.